Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, it's my mom. Mama. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air on the Memorial of St. Gregory of Narek, Abbot and Doctor of the Church. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you on this Tuesday in the second week of Lent here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Want to bring in Glenn and Sarah. Hey, Glenn, what are a few of the stories uh, making headlines on this Tuesday morning? Hey, the 2024 election season marches on. Primary election day in Michigan today, where the Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson says over a million votes were cast early. Now, overall, this is great news for our state. The robust early voting turnout shows that Michigan citizens are engaged in this process and are making sure their voice is heard. Well, in Michigan, uh, the only state up uh, one week ahead of, of Super Tuesday, President Trump uh, favor, uh, favored heavily uh, in the polls. And, John, on the Democratic side, there could be some anti-Biden protest vote there. Dean Phillips still technically in the race, a large Muslim population uh, not happy with President Biden's policies in the Middle East. Yeah, I understand that there is a movement uh, urging voters uh, to mark down uncommitted on the ballot to send uh, a message to President Biden uh, about his handling of uh, the uh, Israel-Hamas war. Turnout there, 13 percent higher than 2020, despite nominations not being too much in doubt on both sides. But uh, that, uh, that's interesting as well. What what is your sense of uh, of uh, how things are going to go there in Michigan? The polls are open, and obviously, it, it looks at least uh, uh, according uh, to uh, you know all of the uh, pundits that uh, President uh, um, Trump should win this one pretty easily over Nikki Haley. Yeah, Trump expecting uh, to win handily on the Republican side, and of course, same for President Biden on the on the Democratic side. Uh, both men will be in Texas this week. Uh, of course, the border, a big, big issue. Uh, Biden will travel to, <clears throat> excuse me, to Brownsville He'll meet with some Border Patrol agents, law enforcement, and he'll call for the uh, passage of uh, a bill working its way through the Senate with some bipartisan support. And Eagle Pass, one of the hot spots along the border, is where uh, President, uh, former President Trump expected to make some comments as well this week. Isn't that kind of interesting that the, the two of them will be there on the, on the same day? Apparently, Trump... Uh, had planned this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, President Biden uh, said he had no idea that his good friend was going to be there the same day. Well, this is all carefully crafted theater, I, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, but the, the fact is, is that the issue is 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 an important issue. Obviously, it's uh, yeah, it's oh, yeah. on the minds of uh, of voters all over the country, and it uh, it's not going to go away. No, no, the fact they'd be there the same day, yeah, it's. Uh... Uh, you know, they don't want one to get ahead of the other with uh, comments on that. But, yeah, that is turning out to be one of the, the real hot-button issues for people uh, across both parties, John. Um, meanwhile, on a much uh, much lighter note, uh, Kellogg's CEO Gary Pilnick says that people should eat cereal for dinner to save money on soaring food costs. Cereal for dinner. What do you guys think? When I say cereal, you say dinner. Cereal. Dinner! Yeah! Cereal. Dinner! Yeah! <laughs> I think it's great. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. No, hey, breakfast for dinner is always a good win. And whether you're trying to save money or not, it's just fun to shake it up because you're not expecting it. And, um, you know, whether you're having breakfast at Tiffany's or at your house, either way, it's a good time and a good way to kind of just, you know, cereal is fun. But, you know, there's lots of different types of breakfast, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Anything can be breakfast. I mean, a bag of Doritos can be breakfast. Cold pizza can be breakfast. And, oh, wait, I'm talking like a disc jockey here. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's but, true, though. Uh, Those are all true facts. Yeah. But no, usually breakfast or dinner doesn't involve cereal, though, for me. It might be, you know, pancakes and bacon or something like that. Uh, oh, and there is uh, this really good French, fritter French toast they make at one of the local cafes in my town. And they sell the bread, you know, it's kind of like apple cinnamon bread with a frosting on it. And we thought one time we were at this retreat and we were tasked with making breakfast for the group. And we thought, oh, we could do that like the restaurant does. And, except we had the bread that had the, uh, the frosting on it. And so, you know, when we went to kind of fry that up in the pan... Boy, that sugar started to burn, and then the smoke alarm went off, and then nobody knew in the cabin how to turn off the smoke alarm, and it took quite a while to run down the block to get to the office to get somebody to come back and figure that out. Meanwhile, everyone's sitting very patiently sipping their coffee and uh, enjoying bacon with uh, with not much else, but that was that was breakfast for breakfast. Then. Oh, the shenanigans! I don't know about dinner, but I definitely have had uh, cereal as a as a late night snack. A little granola granola with some uh, milk uh, is a, is a yummy little snack which uh, obviously is, is is a breakfast food. But uh, I wonder what Tony the Tiger is thinking. Well, I'm sure uh, we would know what he would be thinking, that's for sure. And um, I would say this, that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And we know that uh, Tony often, uh, Tony that Tiger, he often endorses it by saying, So enjoy your breakfast today, guys. I love it. <laughs> All right. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Sarah and Glenn. First things first, we always start every morning in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings. We pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. As we continue to pray for peace in the world, especially in the Middle East and Ukraine. Peace in our nation, peace in our church, and peace in our families. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit here on the show when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our power scripture from the playbook of life this morning is from John 17, 3. Jesus the Lord says, Father, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. God our Savior desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is what it's all about, knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved than the holy name of Jesus. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer that Drew and Maggie pray every afternoon during the Chapel of Divine Mercy. Jesus, I trust in you. As always, you can send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888 914 914-914-9149. 
Now, what would happen when you combine uh, a Jack Reacher or a Jason Byrne novel with our Catholic faith? You get Catholic Joe, Lieutenant General Joseph Salvatore, husband and father of a large family, a man's man. Joining us live this morning is entrepreneur Steve Thomas, uh, the author of his first novel, A Catholic Joe Superhero, that beautifully weaves the church's teaching on marriage throughout. Uh, Steve is married to Jenny Thomas. They have eight living children. Steve has spent Five years in the seminary discerning a vocation to the priesthood. He started uh, a number of companies along the way. Steve and his wife, Jenny, have uh, have taught nat- natural family planning and chastity education uh, for over 10 years for the Diocese of Joliet. Good morning, Steve. Welcome to Morning Air. Thanks so much for joining us. It's good to be with you this morning. Good morning, John. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Well, congratulations on on your first novel. I've heard a lot of good things, uh, many, many accolades about it. Catholic Joe, superhero. Uh, tell us about uh, your inspiration uh, to write this novel. Yeah, John. Actually, it started decades ago. Um, came from a divorced family. I, I call it the crucible of divorce. And uh, our blessed mother, she picked me up off the ash heap. And that was this uh, this little book, Mother of Christ Crusade book that I read when I was in high school. And I read about the story of Fatima and it just, you know, the, the whole idea of, you know, children suffering and offering up sufferings and souls falling into hell. And, and I just remember one of the things that she said, our blessed mother was that the final battle would be over marriage. And, and Lieutenant General Joseph Salvatore is our blessed mother's general that's going to fight for uh for that final battle in marriage so that was that was uh, probably the start of it um and then it was um really just you know guys just getting our butts kicked for for decades um you know our church you know always on the defense and so so joe is is a uh, catholic joe is is somebody that goes on the offense and he fights especially for marriage and i gotta get a shout out so one of the the inspirations for the character as a good friend of mine, uh, John McGuire, who uh, helped me kind of formulate the whole figure. And I got to tell you, um, mutual was, friend of both of us. Uh, yeah, uh, he yeah. was the best man at my wedding. So I know Johnny Mac uh, very well. Set the front door. That's awesome. So, you know, and it really was, um, um, I, I wrote a lot of it in front of the blessed sacrament. So I'd sit there with my laptop. I'd ask Jesus. I like, how should I say this? You know, there's some bad language. I'm like, all right, Jesus, I'm going to start this out for you. Um, but, um, but I think a lot of the inspiration came from that. And also, um, I walked on a pilgrimage. So uh, a small group of guys and I, we walked in the form of a cross across the United States. It's about 4,500 miles. Um, I was there for about 850 miles of it. And I really believe that it was, um, it was, yeah, I really couldn't afford to do it, John. You know, you know, you know, we got eight kids. You know, financially always going hand to mouth. Um, but I felt like our Lord really wanted me to go on that pilgrimage, and so we walked. We prayed for marriage. We prayed for our country, for our church. And you know, sometimes again, I'm I'm no I'm no spring chicken, all right. And so you know, each step, you know, sometimes is just agony. And so I, you know, um. But it was after that, it was after that that I really believe God gave me the grace to write this book. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's, been a, uh, it's been a great adventure so far. Well, Steve, obviously, uh, um, 
praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament and getting inspiration is a beautiful thing uh, that you did in writing this book. It uh, it reminds me of uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who used to spend so much time in front of the Blessed Sacrament, uh, mm, getting his inspiration him. for his television show, Life is Worth Living. So uh, you, you literally took a page out of uh, Uncle Fulty. There's, hey, there's one, there's one scene, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil it, but there is one scene where one of the most just inspirational speeches that Archbishop Fulton Sheen gave is actually in the book. Isn't that something? I I had no idea. All right. So tell us who is Catholic Joe and uh, give us a a thumbnail sketch on what this novel is about. Yeah. So Catholic Joe, Lieutenant General Joseph Salvatore is a a high level military guy. You know, he trained spec ops. The guy, he was one of the baddest men on the planet. Right. And so, um, he gets woke out of the military, um, and then he finds out that his youngest brother, Vinny, is getting a divorce. And, and it, just, it just rocked him because they came from such a, just a beautiful, loving family. And so Joe decides to fly out. And, you know, like two good Italian brothers, they, they fight. And then, uh, and then, you know, they make up, they hug, they love each other. And then, you know, from there, the story goes. So, so Joe goes out to really fight for marriage in the micro and Vinny. And then he eventually gets pulled into the church and fights on the macro uh, in the church itself. So really the story is that it really is a treatise on marriage. And you're really passionate uh, about marriage. You you mentioned, uh, you know, that uh, the words of, of the Blessed Mother uh, to uh, the children at Fatima about marriage way back in 1917. And if it was a concern then, it's even more of a concern uh, in this day and age. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And that, no, and that's, um, again, the passion comes from really the pain um, as a child. And it really, I, you know, I just, you know, I don't want, I don't want one more child to have to go through that. So we, you know, with this book, I, I pray to God that we can save marriages, that we can enhance marriages. Uh, but it's, it really is. It's, it's all about marriage. Everything I write about has that, uh, that, that underpinning to it. And Steve, what is your vision in terms of uh, who you want to reach? Who is this book intended for? Yeah, you know, it's funny because originally I wrote it for guys. I thought, you know, guys need to be encouraged. You know, they, they need to have inspiration, hope. Um, and, but it's funny because women love it. And, you know, my, my mother-in-law, Mary Olson, she, she, she goes, I was reading it. It was 2 a.m. in the morning. My eyes were burning. I couldn't put it down. And I just thought, you know, my, oh, here's, here's a good one. So my sister, you know, we're, we're, um, I love her to death. I love you Deb, both on opposite sides of the political spectrum. And she's very highly educated and she goes, I'm going to read the book. And I go, oh, geez, this, this should make for great Thanksgiving conversation. And, um, and she read the book and she goes, I can't, she goes, I read the book and, you know, in tears, she goes, I can't believe how how deep and how beautiful our Catholic faith is. And she decided to come back to church. I thought, what a beautiful, I mean, I was expecting the worst and it was just a beautiful testimony. And I just, I praise God. I thank God for that because the Holy Spirit, I've had a number of people come up and say, this book is anointed. And so, you know, praise God, the Holy Spirit will work through that. 
Well, you've had uh, a lot of accolades uh, about this book. A uh, top Catholic reviewer uh, said, uh, quote, uh, the writing for this first novel is exceptional. Uh, the characters are well-developed and, and crafted. Uh, another editor said uh, this book was riveting, and it goes on and on. A lot of, a lot of really uh, beautiful things said uh, about your book. In fact, there are some who think that this is a book that needs to be studied and meditated on uh, in, a, in a group setting uh, because there's so much uh, deep theological uh, teachings when it comes to marriage uh, woven into into the book. Yeah, this is uh, this is what we call the black sand of Catholic literature. It's um, you know what black sand is, right? It's the it's the the uh, soil that's the richest in gold. So this is um, it's got theology just oozing from it. And I again try not to be preachy. Try to keep it really, you know, um, try to you know weave it in. Um, but uh, but yeah, I've had uh, I've had people say that uh, um, every men's group every men's group should use this book as a study guide um, because it talks about spiritual warfare. It talks about again about marriage. Um, you know, it's it's just uh, yeah, it's very theologically rich. I spent five years in the seminary, and really I studied I studied really the enemies of the church when I was in the seminary as well. So this book is a you know it's about spiritual warfare about marriage. Um, and every, I think every engaged couple, every married couple should read this book. Um, I've, and you know, it's, it's, it's funny because again, I, I meant to, to write it for a certain demographic and I've, I've had like young couples, like I have this one young couple in the military, you know, they're, they're, they live apart, but they would read a chapter of it to, to each other on the phone at night. And I was like, oh my goodness, just, you know, just thanking God because had no idea the reach and again, the impact that it would have. Obviously, um, your faith is really important to you, uh, but it wasn't always uh, that way. <laughs> there was a, a time when uh, you were much more lukewarm. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, I, um, again, like most people, um, you know, kind of uh, fell away from the faith. And like I said, it was really high school that, um, and it was through our Blessed Mother. Um, you know, I have a deep devotion to our mother. And, uh, you know, and I just feel like, at this, you know, I, I, I've always felt like I was made to fight. And, uh, and of course I did when I was a kid, but, um, but I feel like this is the fight. This is the battle that, that God has prepared me for, um, you know, the seminary training, just again, all the beautiful people I've met, the, the inspirations I've met national Dominicans who taught me in high school. I had priests that were just great role models. Um, so I've had, I've had the benefit of just really beautiful people that have taught me. And I feel like, this this is this Catholic Joe series, and again, it's going to be a series. I'm already starting the second book. Um, this is this is something that's going to have an impact on our church, I believe. And I think that again, it's something. If you you know, ladies out there, if you're listening, if you want your marriage to be just so much more beautiful, so much more rich, if you want your husband to look at you differently, um, get him this book because this will change the way he looks at you. Um, it's, you know, this is a disruptive book and I'm, that's, you know, it's exciting to me and I love that. I get excited about it. Steve, can you talk about how, uh, your, your book, uh, is inspiring, uh, folks. It's, it's bringing hope to, uh, to a lot of people who get a chance to, to read it. Sure. Yeah. In fact, you know, this, you mentioned a book reviewer. So this guy, Steve McAvoy, um, he did over 400 book reviews last year, which is incredible. It's like more than one a day. I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, so uh, it, the, the, probably the greatest compliment I got, John, from him 
um, besides the besides the Jason Bourne Jack Reacher thing, I was like, oh, the the, the man in me was like, oh yeah, this is perfect. Um, but he said, as I was reading the book, he goes, I couldn't help but stop and pray um, throughout the book, and I thought that to me that is just such a great testament of the um, of the richness that you know the Holy Spirit working in the book. So I um, yeah, and you know I've had so many people, um, so many people who have reached out. I've had guys, you know, in tears say that, you know, they, they read the book in tears. Um, um, and I, you know, again, I've had other, other people say that the book was anointed, um, but it is, it's something I really feel like God is going to use um, to really, again, bring us back to our, our families, bring us back to our wives, to our husbands. Um, it's it's going to be something that will, you know, again, if, look at the last, look at the last book of the Old Testament, the last prophet. Malachi. What's the last paragraph say in that book? It says the time of, he talks about the coming of the time of Elijah, right? And one of the things, one of the prerequisites of that coming is that the hearts of fathers would be turned back to their children and children to their fathers. And this is what this book does. This turns the hearts of fathers to their children and children to their fathers. And I just think that it's, you know, it's, it's going to hopefully play out in a beautiful way. And you mentioned movie. Yeah, we're already, you know, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Jim Caviezel, if you're listening right now, which I'm sure you are, um, you call my agent. All right. Well, my, you know, my people will talk to your people and we'll, we'll make this thing into a movie as well. Hey, you just never know. I mean, that's how seeds are planted. <laughs> right. uh, it could make it to the big screen uh, one day. Um Where can our listeners uh, find out more about uh, your uh, book? Yeah. So if um, what I would say is go, go to the website. So Catholic Joe, superhero.com Catholic Joe, superhero.com. And also I, you know, if you need a speaker, love to speak, love to talk about marriage, love to talk about divorce. And and again, how we, we heal from divorce. Um, But uh, yeah, I would, I would go there and, um, and that's, uh, yeah. And just, uh, again, you can purchase the book there if you want. Now, if you do want to like, like I've had people want to purchase the book in bulk. Um, if you want to do that, reach out to me directly. There's an email address on the website, reach out to me directly. I'll get you a special discount on that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's where you go. Well, we wish you uh, many uh, blessings and lots of success uh, with Catholic Joe, a superhero. I'm curious, uh, what uh, what line of the military is he a lieutenant general in? Oh, he's a Marine, bro. Oh, he's a there Marine. you go. Semper Fi. <laughs> uh, hey, John, I made the mistake once of of, of not calling a, a Marine in the book a Marine, and I had a Fulberg colonel in my grill saying, don't you realize you, he's always a Marine. He's not a soldier. He's a Marine. So anyways, sounds <laughs> good. Fi. All right. Uh, thanks so much uh, for being with us uh, this morning, Steve. All right. God bless you all. Take Man, care. Many blessings to you. Entrepreneur Steve Thomas, the author of Catholic Joe Superhero. We need to take a short break. When we come back, internationally uh, renowned Catholic composer and musician, Steve Angrizano will be with us to talk about the upcoming National Eucharistic Congress and uh, the beauty and the power that music has to draw us to Jesus. So stay with us as uh, Morning Air continues on this Tuesday here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Go make a difference, we can make a difference. Go make a difference in the world. Go make a difference, 
we can make a difference. One of my favorite uh, tunes, Go Make a Difference, uh, from our next guest, Steve Angrizano. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Tuesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. You can always uh, send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. Now, we're just a few months away from the National Eucharistic Congress, which will be happening this summer on July 17th through the 21st in Indianapolis. Are you planning on going? Have you had a chance to sign up yet? You can learn more about traveling to the National Eucharistic Congress with Relevant Radio. All you have to do is call one 800 That's one 800 or go to relevantradio.com slash travel. Now, there's going to be some awesome uh, speakers and MCs and some great music as well that will draw us to Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. Are you, uh, are you ready? Well, <laughs> joining us live this morning from uh, Cleveland, Ohio, is veteran singer, songwriter, and storyteller Steve Angrizano, an internationally recognized Catholic composer, to talk about his role at this upcoming National Eucharistic Congress and to also talk about uh, music that draws us to Jesus. Listen to part of uh, Steve Angrizano's song called I Am the Bread of Life. I am the bread of life. I am the hope in Shepherd's might, I am the truth and light. Steve Angrizano has performed at 10 World Youth Days and been called the king of Catholic youth rallies. And he's been featured at many major conferences and events around the world, including many national youth conferences. Good morning, Brother Steve. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. It's, it's so good to be with you once again. Oh, gosh, it's good to hear your voices. I'm sorry it always has to be so early in the morning, but yes, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Steve, uh, you know. <laughs> we go way back. <laughs> uh, yeah, we go way, way back. Uh, I, I believe it was 1999 out on the Pacific Northwest outside of Seattle, the first time you and I first met. Yep, that's exactly right. You have been so uh, blessed uh, during uh, your uh, storied career. You've performed at many big events over the years, as I mentioned, the 10 World Youth Days. You are uh, got to be pretty excited for this upcoming National Eucharistic Congress. Oh, so excited. And, you know, I was thinking, John, before we got on the air today, and it's just early morning for me if I sound a little like I did a show last night and now it's uh, 6 in the morning. That's the case. Um, but, it, you know, you and I have had the chance to experience stuff like this. There's, you know, maybe you're a religious educator or you're a musician. You go to conferences, so many youth conferences around the country. How uh, it's really, to me, so sad sometimes that just the everyday average Catholic doesn't get a chance to experience the extraordinary power of gathering in an arena, praying and singing with Jesus at the center of all we're doing. It's, it's, it's one of the things that shapes so many young people's faith. It shapes so many people in ministry. They take for granted that we go to these things. And I remember being at the World Meeting of Families in Philadelphia, and I had the honor truly to sing there as well. And 
Holy Father was there. And the whole, the whole time I was thinking, what, what a blessing that people just get to experience being a part of this Catholic family reunion and the body of Christ. And, and we have that opportunity again this summer. I'm, I'm just so looking forward to it. And uh, this Congress is all about uh, the Eucharist. That is the whole focus, the culmination of uh, of three years of of Eucharistic uh, revival. And really, uh, it's about the Eucharist. That means it's about Jesus. Yep. You know. You know. Here's to me. We sometimes take for granted. I, I've had a privilege to go to the Holy Land several times to help lead groups there. And there's a moment when. You know, you're touching an altar that has Jesus as Lord carved in it from the year 38. And in the year 38, in the first century, people risked their lives, literally risked their lives to sneak into Peter's living room in Capernaum and and place bread and wine on this stone altar and celebrate what in the first century they called Eucharist. That we didn't make that up in the Middle Ages. That didn't come as some invention hundreds or thousands of years later. In the first century, Eucharist. And they prayed prayers remarkably similar to the ones we pray today. And they believed this bread and wine became the body and blood of Jesus. And they risked their lives to carry it to those who were sick or in prison because they believed it contained within it everlasting life. And the the overwhelming reality that God loves us that much, that he wouldn't just watch us from heaven, but he would become one of us and then say, not only will I show you the way, I will never leave you. I will give you strength and courage. I will dwell in you. I will mold you into the body of Christ. It's, it, as Catholics, I think we take what we believe for granted sometimes. And what an awesome opportunity to just witness what Christ is doing in that, in, in the whole, not just in the moment of the Eucharistic Congress. The Eucharistic Congress is really just a reflection of what God is doing in all of our lives, just a moment to recognize it. But uh, I know for me, this year has been extremely renewing already because m- probably most of Advent and Lent, I do parish missions. I, I did only youth rallies for a while, and I appreciate the King of Catholic. Someone did say that one time. I always say, Jesus is the only King of a Catholic youth rally. But at the same time, uh, it's so much of where I come from, and I've seen so much of the enthusiasm of young people. But, uh, oh gosh, in these last few years, probably all Lent and Advent, I do parish missions. Every one, the last night we end with adoration. Eucharistic adoration, just to remember whose we are and whose voice we listen to and the transformation and the power of just what I see in a simple parish, 300, 400 people, Eucharistic adoration. Uh, we can't underestimate what God is doing. And, and so many great musicians I'm working with, you didn't ask this yet, but uh, there are several tracks, you know, that well, all of us, many musicians, if you've heard of a Catholic musician, most of us, I think, are going to be there. But Many of us will be up and down on the main stage here and there. All of us separated in different tracks each day. There's a family track, a, a wonderful young musician, Francesca La Rosa. She and I are doing the, the family track. So you come with your whole family. You have opportunities for you just to experience faith together in a family track session, which I find so valuable that we don't always divvy up and let a kid have one experience and an adult have another. But can we sing and pray and be the family of God together? So when we go back to our house, 
you know, we experience some things uh, unite together. We can talk about it together. So just very exciting. Well, Steve, uh, I introduced you with that beautiful song, I Am of the Bread of Life. Uh, can you share a little bit of uh, the writing of that song and, uh, and what it means to you? Because it really is about Jesus. He is the bread of life. Oh, that that's a, it's funny that you would pick that. I mean, obviously you'd pick that song because it's called "I Am the Bread of Life," but that has a story, a real story to it. I I was sent the uh, the first lyric, "I Am the Bread of Life," uh, was sent to me by my good friend Tom Booth, and we and we thought, let's pray and let's write a song about the Eucharist and about Jesus present with us. And we wrote that first verse, the, the, which is basically what you played, and and honestly. It, it never became a complete song, which happens a lot, you know, it was a good idea. And then years later, I wrote the second piece. I am bread for the world, hope for the hopeless. Uh, come to me and know that I'll always be there. And I had forgotten who I wrote the first part with. So I sent it to Tom and I said, hey, I really like this. What do you think about it? He said, well, I love it because I wrote it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. And uh, we sat down together and finished this and Honestly, obviously scriptural, Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, but we just wanted to capture what it means to to surrender to the Good Shepherd and to, to belong to Him. Well, uh, Steve, can, can you share with us uh, what is it about music that touches the heart, especially the hearts of, of young people, and, and what the role of uh, music and uh, your music will be at uh, the National Eucharistic Congress? Music... I think people know this, John, just in the depths of their heart without being told. Music says things that words alone cannot. You know, there's a reason we sing, and it captures, I, I always say, you could go to Mass, and, and most of us have gone to Mass and just said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to people of goodwill, but that's not the same thing as singing. Glory to God in the, I can't sing this morning, and I'm a singer, but glory to God in the highest, when we sing, it brings, uh, it brings emotional content to the words. It helps us to pray. It says things that words alone do not. It's why teenagers love music. I mean, you can't turn on the radio when you break up with a boyfriend or girlfriend because every single song seems to be crying out, I can't live without you or something like that, right? So music touches our heart. And so God created that, right? God created that connection, that ability for us to express ourselves. And so no better way to use music than to express our love for God and to remember God's love for us. It's, 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 I think, one of the most powerful ways we pray. It's why when we do Eucharistic adoration, our Mass, you know, we sing so much of it because that music helps us to express what words alone cannot. At the Eucharistic Congress, a great friend of mine, Dave Moore, who also lives in Dallas. I'm in Cleveland because I finished a parish mission last night. I'm at the air, I'm right by the airport if you hear noise. Uh, so, so Dave Moore is coordinating all the music. He's very, just a richly talented guy and helped to pull all this together. And I think you're going to experience music at the Eucharistic Congress like maybe you never have. I, I really love some of the things that are happening in Catholic music today, which is first sort of a trend a little bit more towards the traditional, just not because there's anything wrong with more modern music. I write mostly modern music, but I also love the language of liturgy and praying traditional hymnody and chanting part of the Mass, because when you sing 
chant, when you when you chant the mass, you're really singing not at mass, but you're singing the mass, you know. And one of the greatest experiences of my life was my first World Youth Day, which which uh, was in Denver, Colorado. And so, praise God, it was in English. And when Saint John Paul II started mass and said, uh, you know, the Lord be with you, and we chanted. Well, at that time we chanted, and also with you, and also with you. And I thought, oh my gosh, I just spoke to the Pope. I just spoke to the Pope, you know, it was a, a dialogue and, and it was so beautiful. So I think you're going to experience ancient and new and beauty and prayer at the Eucharistic Congress and the family of God gathered. I, I just, if you're listening to this and you have an opportunity to go, particularly if you've never seen, you know, Father Mike or, or Matt Maher, or any of these people who you've probably heard on the radio in person, you won't believe the power that brings to and focus that brings and and an event where Jesus is simply the center and the all in all. I, I really encourage people to go. Steve, final uh, minute. Uh, what are you looking forward to uh, the most about this uh, National Eucharistic Congress with an expected uh, 80,000 uh, inside Lucas Oil Stadium, the home of the Indianapolis Colts? Well, I think what I look forward to most is simply seeing the face of the body of Christ, worshiping the body of Christ, and and also just the joy that that brings into our lives, and people recognizing that uh, what they what they seek in their life they already have. You know, I think it's an extraordinary opportunity for spiritual conversion, not necessarily from being a you know a beggar on the street to being a preacher, you know, but the kind of conversion that is, I've lived my life every day, but part of my heart was dead, and now I am alive, and I really, without, uh, that's not hyperbole, I believe that there will be awakening and conversion from this experience and from this year of Eucharist, so I look forward to being a small part of that and God's plan. Steve, you're a trooper for being up, up early to be with us uh, this morning. Uh, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Many blessings to you. Oh, great to talk to you, as always. Veteran singer and songwriter and storyteller Steve Angrizano uh, with us here on Morning Air. We need to take a short break when we come back. Uh, Josh Raymond, a Relevant Radio Vice President Director of Programming and Production, he'll be with us to continue talking about traveling to the National Eucharistic Congress with Relevant Radio. So stay with us as uh, Morning Air continues on this Tuesday here on Relevant Radio and the new and improved Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Levitt on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Tuesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And our toll-free line, if you want to be part of our conversation here this morning, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Now, as you know, in fact, as we were talking about just a moment ago with uh, Steve uh, 
Lozano. Uh, we're just a, a few months away from the National Eucharistic Congress, which is happening this summer, July 17th through the 21st uh, in Indianapolis uh, at the home of uh, the Colts of the NFL. Are you planning on going? Have you thought about it? Have you had a chance to sign up yet? Uh, you can, of course, learn much more about traveling to the National Eucharistic Congress with Relevant Radio uh, by calling one 844-400-9559, or you can go to relevantradio.com slash travel. That's 844-400-9559. Joining us live this morning in studio is Josh Raymond, the Relevant Radio Vice President and Director of Programming, uh, to, to continue talking about the National Eucharistic Congress and how to go with Relevant Radio. Good morning, uh, Josh. Uh, great to see you. Welcome back uh, to uh, your old program that you used to produce. Yeah, yeah. That that I actually started producing Morning Air before anything else that I've ever done here at Relevant Radio. So always have, uh, yeah, just a, a love for this. I don't have a love for getting up early in the morning. But I do love morning air. No well, one has a love of getting yeah. up early in the morning, Josh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's a joy to have you here in, in studio, of course. And, uh, you know, we we started talking about uh, uh, this National Eucharistic Congress in the, in the previous segment with Steve Angrizano. People can get a feel for the, the buzz and the excitement. Can you share from your perspective why someone should attend uh, this National Eucharistic Congress in Indy? Right. Well, we've been talking about it on Relevant Radio. I don't know. I think it, it varies parish by parish how much— this has been talked about for people who are attending just, you know, Mass every Sunday, or maybe you go to daily Mass uh, during the week. The National Eucharistic Congress, it's part of this three-year plan that the bishops put together that they wanted to call the faithful and say, we want a revival centered around the Eucharist. So coming up this summer, it's really at the end of the second year, the beginning of the third year, and this is supposed to be an event an event that brings all the faithful together and really energizes all of us to go back to our local communities. We're supposed to take the message, the enthusiasm, the everything that we encounter there at the Eucharistic Congress, and we're supposed to bring that back to our home parishes, our family, our friends, those people that we know that we can impact with the message of Christ. So that that's that's why we should attend, is to be part of what the bishops are calling us to do, the, to take that message back. And there's great expectations for this Congress. Uh, we're hoping to fill up uh, the 80,000-seat uh, stadium there in Indianapolis. Uh, right. They're getting close to about half of it full so far. And so, yeah, we're, we're closing in on about 40,000 people who have signed up so far. Um, 80,000 is, I think, max capacity. So I don't know when they they start saying, hey, <laughs> we're, we're just about out of tickets here. But yeah, no, it, it, it should be a really remarkable experience. That would be a good problem to have. Oh, absolutely. You, there's a, it's basically standing, standing room only and you can't get into the building. Uh, in our church here in America, we've had a history of a previous National Eucharistic Congresses. I've seen the images of uh, 200,000 uh, folks at Soldier Field uh, back in the 1920s for a Eucharistic Congress. Right. But that that's a really good point. Back in the 1920s, you know, you have to travel back, I think, 50 years for something similar here in the U.S. or before that, 100 years, like you say, the 1920s. So this really is kind of a once-in-a-lifetime experience that we have the opportunity right here and now in our generation to participate in this. So, you know, I, I, 
I, I've never been to World Youth Day. You've been at least once or twice, I, right? I've been, I was in Cologne with Drew and the team, and we broadcast three hours live every every day from there. So, yeah. And that's about the only thing that I guess I can think to compare it to is just this massive, you know, I've never been to World Youth Day. I've never had the opportunity to be around that many people all together singing the Alleluia right before the gospel reading or singing the great amen after the consecration of the host and the chalice. So that's that's one thing I'm looking forward to. Um, but I think also being there in that in that gathering with so many people all focused on Christ on the Eucharist, it I think it's going to give us a little glimpse into what is the true communion of saints going to be like, especially in heaven. You know, that there's the Lamb of God, the thing that everyone is focused on together. And we are all there united. doesn't matter what our background is, what our, our socioeconomic level is. If we are there gathered together in Christ, we are brothers and sisters. And we don't want to let this opportunity pass so that then down the road you think, oh, I should have gone and I missed it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, I, I mean, there's there's the part that we are called to be those evangelists. But, yeah, you know, I I think there's— I think there's the possibility that we might see, you know, all kinds of vocations come out of it. I think it's something that those who attend will be talking about for years and years to come. What about the the benefit of traveling to the National Eucharistic Congress with Relevant Radio? Yeah, so this is more of a matter of just practically speaking. There are very few hotel rooms that are actually available in downtown Indianapolis. So this is being held July 17th through the 21st coming up this summer. And there's very little availability there. So Relevant Radio was actually able to, a while back, secure some different hotel rooms. And uh, this is not me just, you know, saying this. Our CFO and I, we checked yesterday. I don't think you could find a cheaper rate for any other hotel that's in the city. If you want to find a cheaper rate than what we're able to get, you're going to have to travel quite a bit out of the city. And and so if you want to be there, if you don't want the stress of having to drive in, drive out every day, try and find parking, you know, the, the stress of traffic, if you want to be right there in the city, Relevant Radio has really kind of gone out of our way to make sure that you can be right there. And anybody who travels with us, if you get your tickets, even if you don't get your hotel room or you've got other, you know, lodging plans, everybody who gets their ticket through Relevant Radio, they get a free copy of a new book Father Rocky's going to have released this summer. It's called Treasures of the Eucharist. So if you don't travel with us, still get your tickets through Relevant Radio. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Uh, how can our listeners learn more about attending and actually traveling with Relevant Radio? Very, very easy. If you just get, go to our website, relevantradio.com slash travel. Very easy. Relevantradio.com slash travel. Or if you'd rather give a call, you can call. Uh, we're in uh, partnership with Nativity Pilgrimages, who's helping organize all of the different travel. 844-400-9559. 844-400-9559. Or you can go to relevantradio.com slash travel. Josh, appreciate you stopping by in person here bright and early on Morning Air. Thanks so much, John, Sarah, Glenn. It's uh, great to, to be with you. And now, once again, it is time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Temper Control. There once was a little boy who had a bad temper. His father gave him a bag of nails and told him every time he lost his temper, he must hammer a nail into the fence. The first day, the boy had driven 37 nails into the fence. 
Over the next few weeks, he learned to control his anger, and the number of nails hammered daily gradually dwindled down. He discovered it was easier to hold his temper than to drive those nails into the fence. Finally, the day came when the boy didn't lose his temper at all. He told his father about it, and the father suggested the boy now pull out one nail for each day he was able to hold his temper. The days passed, and the young boy was finally able to tell his father all the nails were gone. The father took his son by the hand and led him to the fence. He said, you've done well, my son, but look at the holes in the fence. The fence will never be the same. When you say things in anger, they leave a scar just like this one. You can put a knife in a man and draw it out. It won't matter how many times you say, I'm sorry, the wound is still there. Make sure you control your temper. The next time you're tempted to say something, you'll regret later. Ephesians 4.26 In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Uh, Really appreciate it. Another inspirational story corner. Now, coming up next hour here on Morning Air, Catholic evangelist Martha Fernandez-Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLove.com, will share with us some scriptural highlights to help us grow in our love of God, especially here during this Lenten season. Plus, Catholic apologist William Albrecht uh, will be with us to discuss the Holy Eucharist, uh, transubstantiation in the Bible and with the Church Fathers. And uh, Preston Alex, uh, the Chief Financial Officer at Relevant Radio, also stopped by to continue chatting about the National Eucharistic uh, Congress and how you can go with Relevant Radio. So stay with us. Much more coming up straight ahead on our number two of uh, Morning Air on this Tuesday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. <laughs> 